0: Come on, and you with the running and the jumping. No, please. What stop are you this guys ride. doing? we got to get out of here. It's like, it's like more of the world's out there. Stop I don't, I'm telling stop you, pulling. just listen to me for one second. It's not dangerous. Stop. We are under attack. Will you two stop messing around and deal with the problem? You're never there for me. What? Okay, that's not what I had in mind, but... You're never there for me. Uh, I mean, you were you were there when I won the big game, but not when I thought the sky fell. And not at the ball field, and certainly not now. This is good. Keep going, keep going. You, you've been ashamed of me ever since the acorn thing happened. And we have to talk about it, because modern Mallard says avoiding closure can lead to molting. And I'm already small, and on top of that, I don't think I could handle being bald. I... 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 Didn't realize, son... I... I I never meant to. The acorn, the sky, I mean the whole... You're right. You're right. Your mom, she she was... You know, she, she was always good with stuff like this. Me... I'm going to need a lot of work. But you need to know that I love you no matter what. And I and I'm sorry I And I'm sorry if I ever made you feel like that was something you had to earn. Okay, Dad. Now all we gotta do is return helpless little Kirby. <laughs> oh, you turn this whatever it is. This is crazy, crazy. Uh, crazy wonderful. Just tell me what you need me to do. You really mean it? You bet anything, son. Come on, Dad. We've got a planet to save. Crazy supporter. That's me. Oh! <laughs> this thing like a nibble, doesn't it? <laughs> By the way, I'd like to say I've always found you extremely attractive. First of all, I'd like to say, how do you follow both the band and Drew? I mean, <laughs> y'all make it impossible. I usually follow a boring judge, so it's a lot easier to stand up here and talk than, than to follow certainly Drew. The movie, and our point of this movie, is how to raise a champion. As you saw here, and, and for those of you who haven't seen Chicken Little... Um, Throughout the movie, his dad, at the beginning, of course, you all know the story, I think, the acorn falls on Chicken Little's head, and and nobody believes him. His dad doesn't even believe him. His dad's not there for him. His dad's not supportive of him. He just doesn't do anything. As a matter of fact, his dad's ashamed of him. But what what do you need to raise a champion? There's three things you need. The first thing you're going to need is you're going to need a coach, which is your father or a father figure. Proverbs 17.6 said, Grandchildren are the crown of old men, and the glory of sons is their fathers. I mean, that says it all right there. A son, daughter, whatever you may have. He looks up to the father. He looks up to his father figure. His father is his glory. His father's is his joy. Ephesians 6.4 And fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in discipline and instruction of the Lord. The Bible speaks a lot to fathers. Going on, we have um, Proverbs 22.6. Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. And a lot of people, I think, misuse this verse, and my wife was talking to me about it. And it's not that you just, just train them up however you want to train them up. This talks about looking at your kid. Seeing what his abilities are. Seeing what his habits are. Seeing what his interests are. You don't force that kid to be what you want that kid to be. You look and see what that kid's natural makeup is. And that's what you develop. You look at his interest, his, his physical and mental development. And I think that's where we're getting here today. A good coach, there's, there's, there's four things actually a good coach needs to do. A good coach needs to model. What do you model? Of course, you model good behavior. I see my son, and and my wife loves this about him. I see him, and I'm an old-fashioned kind of guy. I open the doors for her. I open doors when she comes in. She goes out. I open her car door. Well, my son now, he's picked that up. I haven't told him necessarily to do it. Not only does he open the door for Ann, but he'll open the door for Reagan, my little two-year-old. And I have a five-year-old son, if you all don't know. He will open her car door, And help her get in the car or he'll open the door for her and he'll open the doors at restaurants. So if you think your kid doesn't watch what you're doing, think again, because they do. And you know what else you need to do is you need a model Jesus. A father is, I mean, a father is the closest thing to Jesus that we have on this earth. I mean, God is our heavenly father. Father. We have our earthly father and our earthly father, and we should model that. We should, our son should see us praying. Our son should see us reading the Bible. You can tell them what to do, but if they don't see you doing it, they're not going to do it. And I'm sure that's what Caleb does with Doug. I'm sure Caleb is, sees Doug and down on his knees and praying. And I bet Caleb's going to be an awesome little kid because of that, because he sees what his dad does. And I bet Daniel does the same with David up here. Um, so that's what we need to do. Second thing a coach does is a coach teaches us. Coach teaches us how, they teach us how to treat others. I think that's a lot of the problem in this world, and I see that problem every day in court. I see people who didn't have fathers raised going up. I see people who, who didn't have someone to teach them how to act, to teach them how to behave. I'm I'm a, I'm a viola prosecutor, which I, I prosecute crimes against violence against women. I see every day that, you know, bad behavior being modeled and good behavior being modeled. That, you know, these kids may have grown up seeing that their dads, you know, beat their mothers. And they grow up and they do the same thing. And so we need to teach our kids. And, and this doesn't just apply to fathers. This applies to mothers. We need to teach our kids how to act. We need to teach our kids how to behave. We need to teach them how to treat others. We need to teach them self-discipline. We need to teach them the value of hard work. We, we need to... My dad. My dad came over in 1947, I believe, from Germany. From post-war Germany. He was, he was born... In 1941, during the, of course, during the heart of World War II in Germany, he lost his father in the war. He comes over with his mother and with all of his siblings to, through Ellis Island and they moved to Missouri, a little small town. And my dad had to work and he had to work and he had to work. And, you know, he taught me, you know, nothing in life is free. We don't deserve anything in life. We should work for what we get. There's, uh, there's too many people out there I think that think that something should be given to them, and we should model that, you know, the value of hard work. And in this movie, uh, to set the movie up, Chicken Little, his dad was was a big sports star. His dad was uh, Buck Ace Cluck. He was the ace of the baseball team, the star of the baseball team. And Chicken Little after. After the sky is falling incident, he tells his dad that he wants to go out for the baseball team. That he wants to try out for baseball, and his dad says, "Son, you're little. You're not. You're not that good. Why don't you do something like collect stamps? Why don't you kind of just hide and lay low and let things pass down?" He doesn't encourage Chicken Little. He doesn't lift him up. He discourages him from trying out for the baseball team. He discourages them. He should be out there, if anything, teaching him how to throw a baseball, how to hit a baseball. He leaves him alone to these vices. Another thing a coach does is a coach encourages. Just like I said, Chicken Little's dad, he didn't encourage him. He encouraged him to lay low. He was actually ashamed of him. But going back to what a dad should teach, a dad doesn't have to teach you to be exactly like him. My dad died in 1999. And I didn't even know it until I got home and I started going through stuff. My dad was a high school All-American football player. My dad had scholarship offers. He was, you know, he was a star athlete. Ann and I spent hours pouring through newspaper clippings of my dad. But he he didn't tell me I had to be a football player. He didn't tell me... I had to be a big athlete. He didn't tell me I had to to do anything. He encouraged me in whatever I did. I told him all along, I said, you know, I'm not going to make it in football. I'm not going to make it in baseball. I'm not going to get ahead in life doing those things. Where I'm going to go is I'm going to be able to study. I'm going to be able to go to college. And I'm going to make something of myself. And that's what my dad encouraged me to do. He didn't, he didn't try to make me into to him. He didn't try to mold me into him. He, he looked at my talents. He looked at my abilities and did the same with my brothers. He never said, I'm the big baseball, football star. You have to be a big football star, too. He modeled what was right. And I, did, I was just looking around and Ann and I were thinking the other day, and I'm always like, you know, Doug always has the best stories when he comes up here. <laughs> And so Anne, you know, she's like, well, she just thought about something. And she thought about Dan Marino. And Dan Marino got enshrined in the Pro Football Hall of Fame last year. And when they get enshrined, they usually have somebody introduce them. And Dan Marino had his son introduce him. And his son had this to say about him. I'm often asked the question, are you a football player? Or does your dad want you to play football or sports? It may seem to many people that would be appropriate, but my father has always supported me in whatever I chose to do. Whether I was performing, whether Joey was golfing, whether Allie was horse riding, whether Michael was DJing, as I'm sure he supports Nikki and Lisa in whatever passion they choose to pursue. My father's friends have always said to me repeatedly how proud he is of his children. They tell me that he can't seem to stop talking about us. My father only asks us to work hard at what we do. It seems odd to me that such a modest request can make my father so happy. But our passion for something seems to make him as eager and as happy as if he were waiting to go on the field. For this, me and my siblings are so very fortunate. Dan Marino, as most of you may know, some of you may not, was probably one of the most prolific pastors in the NFL history. Yet he encourages his sons not to play football and not to do whatever. He encourages them in whatever they think they're good at. And all he asked was that they'll work hard. And that's the type of father role model that we need. We need someone who, who loves us and encourages us in whatever we do. He didn't ask that he be big. And I guess when you think about it, the reason I did it is how to raise a champion is you can be an all star, and you can be a Hall of Famer and not have three qualities. I mean, I look at guys like, just to go through certain sports, Dan Marino, he never won a a championship, but he's a Hall of Famer and he's certainly an all-star. Carl Malone in basketball, never won a championship. He's a Hall of Famer, he's an all-star. And then I just think about, you know, even a current guy like Barry Bonds in baseball. He may be the most prolific home run hitter in the history of the game, given if he doesn't get indicted here in the next year or so. (laughs) But he's never been a champion. Because you need three things to be a champion. First one is, you, of course, like I said, you need a good coach. The last thing a coach does is the coach listens. James 119 says, this, you know, my beloved brethren, but let everyone be quick to hear, slow to speak and slow to anger. It says quick to hear. You should hear and slow to speak. I always hear this one, but it, it makes such a point. You, God gave you two ears and one mouth. So you should hear twice as much as you speak. You should sit around and listen to your kids. You should listen to what they have to say. Because if you don't listen, they'll find someone who does. And you probably won't know what's going on in their lives. In this movie, Chicken Little and his dad, they have a little talk. But this was after the big game. And, and so they... Wa- Abby, the, the little ugly duckling, as she's called on here, wants Chicken Little to have closure with her dad, that, it, that he needs to talk with his dad, I'm sorry, that he needs to talk with him. And so he, they talk, but their talk is, hey, you're great. Hey, everything's great. And we're done. They don't sit down and listen. He doesn't listen to what his problems is. And, and he said in there, even in the clip, he said, you never listen to me. He may hear Chicken Little, but he doesn't listen to him. He doesn't listen to what he has to say. He doesn't believe him. He doesn't, he doesn't follow him around. And so we need to listen. But the other thing a coach does, going back to the coach encourages, Dan Marino talked about his, his coach. He goes back to talking about his high school coach. I also want to mention my high school coach, Rick Erdl, here. Coach, you meant so much to us. I want to thank you for taking the pride and dedication in teaching us the game of football. Of of course, Coach Erdl takes all the credit for my success. To this day, he still tells the story that when I went to Central, that I was throwing left-handed, and he actually taught me to throw right. Problem is, I think he believes it after all these years. Thank you, Coach. Dan Marino, Pro Football Hall of Famer, thanks his high school coach. But he goes on. To thank his biggest coach and his biggest hero, is dad. My dad, you're my hero. You're my role model. You're the best coach I've ever had. You taught me how to throw a football. You taught me about hard work, how to be positive. I always remember the times that we'd just sit and talk about football and about life. You taught me how to treat people the way you want to be treated. You would always say that you didn't deserve anything in life. You only deserve what you earn. My only hope is that Claire and I could pass on these important values to our children Thank you, Dad. My dad would always tell me that no one does it better. Well, let me say that no one is better than you. Pro Football Hall of Famer Dan Marino talks about what his dad taught him, and that's what we should be. But, you know, I know some of you grew up and you didn't have fathers. Or you didn't have that. My wife, Ann, she didn't have a father in her life. But it doesn't have to necessarily be a father that you need, you can have a father figure. I know Anne will tell you, and when we got married, this is probably one of the most unusual things. She had both her grandfather and her uncle walk her down the aisle. Because usually it's your dad that walks you down the aisle. And her dad, he showed up at her wedding, but that wasn't who walked her down the aisle. It was her grandfather, her papa, as she calls him, and her uncle. Because these were the two men that were her father figures. These were the two men that played a role in her life. These are the two men that, you know, that taught her how to act. Her grandfather is the one who certainly helped instill so much Bible knowledge in her. Anne is way, way smarter in the Bible than I am. As she's, she's my encourager and she's my, she's my inspiration, essentially. You know, she's the one that, I, that essentially volunteered me to be up here, I think. <laughs> but if I'm not any good... It's not her fault, it's my fault, because she knows I can do it, but I just didn't get it done. But if I'm good, you can thank her, because she's the one that got me up here. And this morning, or yeah, it was this morning, we write, we write notes in the shower, I know it's kind of goofy. But we write little encouraging notes to each other, because that's when you can see them. And, and the, her note this morning was about Moses, and how all God asked was that Moses be willing to speak that he would give him the words to say. And that's what she told me. She goes, all you have to do is be willing. And she said, you have been willing. She said, you'll get up there and, and God will give you the words to say. God will take care of things as long as you're willing. The second thing a good to be a champion, you need a good team. And what, what I mean by a good team is a good group of friends. The Bible in Corinthians, Paul's letter to Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 15, 33 says, but, you know, this is good friends you need. The Bible says, do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. You need to surround yourself with good friends, not bad friends. The Bible also says in Proverbs, and Proverbs is a, a wealth of knowledge. If you're ever up here doing a talk or ever want to talk about anything, just read Proverbs. I mean, I think half my talk comes from Proverbs. 18.24, 1824 a man of many friends comes to ruin but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother uh, and the Bible goes, and I think that what that means is a man of too many friends it just you have so many general friends but a true friend is what you need you need a true friend and the Bible says it's closer than a brother They'll, they're there for you A true friend and I think that this is the first point is a true friend encourages you or trains you and i think we have a clip from the movie for this one <laughs> oh, As you can see there, Chicken Little's friends, he had he had the best friends, and you saw a little bit of the little girl, was Foxy Loxy, was the fox that he tried to high-five, and she turned away from him, and that's that's what you consider a bad friend, because she wasn't very nice to him, but the other ones, the, the pig is run of the litter, um, Abby Mallard is the ugly duckling, and then, of course, the one's fish out of water, so... Um, as you see, they were there encouraging him. They were training him. They were teaching him the game of baseball. They were strengthening his skills. That's what a good friend does. A good friend is there to encourage you. A good friend is there to strengthen you. Proverbs 27:17. As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. They help you to, to get better. They help you to grow. They help you to, to strengthen. Hebrews 3:13 but encourage one another day after day as long as it is still called today lest any one of you be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin a good friend and it will be there to encourage you if, if, if you feel tempted I know Doug talks about him and Alex being being partners that they can if one of them feels tempted by sin that they could call each other to, to pick each other up so they're not you know, so they're not come to be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. That a true friend will be there for them to help them, to encourage them, to train them. First Thessalonians five verses eleven and fourteen. Therefore, encourage one another and build up one another, just as you also you also are doing. And we urge you, brethren, admonish the unruly, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with all men. We need to once again, we need to encourage each other. We need to pick each other up. If we're down, if you're feeling tempted, if you're feeling lonely, your good friend will pick you up. But a bad friend will corrupt you. They'll lead you down the wrong path. And and I I'm going to use Doug again. Doug tells a story about when he was a kid and about the time he got in trouble because he had some friends that that led him into trouble. They led him into they didn't, they didn't keep him from trouble. They actually led him into trouble. So, I mean, I think we've all probably been down that path and we've all probably had friends that have, that have led us into trouble. And we need to make sure our kids have good friends to know what they're doing and, and to keep up with them. Second thing it does, and I think we have another clip on this, is a friend celebrates with you. They, they celebrate with you when you do something good happens in your life, when something good happens to you. can see chicken little's friends were the first ones there to congratulate him when something good happened to him. They they came and running and they celebrated him. And and this is where I talk about also just not for our friends but for us. We need a good group of good friends. And even in a church our size, I know we're not the biggest of churches, but you can get lost in our church. You need a group of good friends and that's where small groups come in come in handy. And the small group a small group is wonderful and a small group is a great group of friends and And the small group's there to celebrate you. And the church is there to celebrate with you. Um, Just a couple weeks ago, Monica and Fabian, they got a couple little boys that they're adopting. And it was our our church that celebrated that event with them. It's our church that that had a shower for them to, to give them gifts. It's our church that has showers for anybody else who has a baby. And are there small groups? It's our church that's there for any joyous event that you may have. That's what you need. You need that group of friends that's going to be there for you in the good times to, to celebrate with you, to, to make you happy. And the other thing a friend does is a friend comes when you call. I we were just getting... What? All right, guys. Watch this. Bizarre. Okay. Let me guess. You haven't told your dad yet. Well I knew it. And why haven't you told him? Because there hasn't been any you your dad talk talk I talking. Talked. There was talking. There was there was definitely talking. Uh huh. Oh oh really? What did he say? <laughs> what? <laughs> All right, hmm? that's We are doing an intervention. You have got to stop messing around and deal with the problem. She's right. Abby, please. This is exactly what fell on me the first time. There's no way I'm bringing this up again with him. No, he's not. Ryan, sorry. I'm a gutless flip-flopper. Okay, I'm sure there's a simple, logical explanation. I mean, it could be a piece of weather balloon, Or maybe it's part of some experimental communication satellite. I don't care what it is. I just want it out of my life, gone for good, everything back to normal. as you can see and i think it started a little bit quickly there but chicken little had another thing fall on his head essentially uh, another acorn fell on his head and he was freaked out about it because his dad and him as we talked about earlier they didn't have their talk they they talked as you heard him say but they didn't talk he didn't even know what his dad said so he calls his friends in the middle of whatever they're doing, they drop everything and they run to his aid. Once again, I get to use Doug. Doug's a, Doug's a great example. But not too long ago, we're, we have some friends over at our house and we're watching our friends' little kids. And Ann's got a headache and I wake up in the middle of the night with the most severe pain I've ever felt. And she's taking medicine. She can't do anything. Plus, we have four little kids staying in her house. And I'm like, I've got to go to the hospital. It's probably two or three o'clock in the morning. And I said, I can't take it. I've got to go. I've got to go. And Ian's like, well, who do you want to call? I mean, we run through a whole list. And I mean, there's four or five people in this church that, that I feel like I could call in the middle of the night. You know, three o'clock in the morning to come and take me to the hospital. I mean, Steve's always available. I know I could have called him. Keith over here. I could have called him. Wes, Alex, Ryan. I mean, there's several people that... And Ann and I just ran through the list, and we're trying to think, well, who's... You know, what... Who can we take? And we're like, well, any of them will... work. You know, any of them will come. We know this. So, but we, we call Doug and wake him up in the middle of the night. And I think Doug's probably been woken up in the middle of the night several times. And Doug comes over as soon as he can and he takes me to the hospital and he sits and waits with me in the emergency room. And he and he's just there for me and that's all, he, you know, that's all he needs to be. He doesn't need to have to say anything. He doesn't have to to do anything. He just has to, you know, help me get to, me to the hospital and just be there for me. And that's what a true friend does. And there's an example of this in the Bible in Job chapter 2 verse 11 through 13. And this was right around when Job first got afflicted. If, if those of you are familiar with the story of Job, he has several afflictions that the devil you know, afflicts him with that God allows the devil to do. And this is when, of course, he has all the sores over his body. And it goes on and says, Now when Job's three friends heard of all of, his, all of his, this adversity that had come upon him, they came each one from his own place. And they made an appointment together to come to sympathize with him and comfort him. And when they lifted up their eyes at a distance and did not recognize him, they raised their voices and wept. And each of them tore his robe and they threw dust over their heads toward the sky. Then they sat down on the ground with him for seven days and seven nights with no one speaking a word to him. For they saw his pain was very great. Job, in the middle of this affliction, has three friends. They drop everything they're doing and they come to be with him. And you don't have to say anything. These friends are just there with them. Sometimes it's just being able to have a friend that will come and be with you. Go into a funeral. Somebody who has a parent who died or has a best friend who died. Oftentimes there's nothing that you could say to that person that's going to change anything. There's nothing that you could say to that person that's going to make them feel better. Just being there for them. Just, Just having them know that you're there and that you support them is really enough and that's really all they need because there's no there's no amount of words that's going to change that grief or that pain but a true friend is going to be there and they're going to do that for you and they're going to come and be with you no matter what it is the last thing a true friend does is a true friend comes to your rescue Set that scene up a little bit. The the aliens that came to to rescue their little kid, and the aliens have a father. And he goes on later to say that, you know, you're a dad. You'll do anything for your fa- for your kid when you're a father. And you know how that is. But this the aliens that came, and they're they're essentially they're vaporizing everybody, just looking for this one little kid that's lost. The whole alien armada comes in. And. And Chicken Little and his dad are trying to save the world, essentially. And and you saw earlier the, the first clip where he talks about when his dad believed in him, he had the ability. And they're like, let's go save the world. You know, little bitty Chicken Little and his dad's ready to take on the world because his dad believes in him. Well, here they're about to be vaporized. And, of course, they're trapped in that with the aliens. And their friends come. And their friends come to their rescue. Their friends come to help them. And that's what a true friend does. He risks his life for yours. John 15:13 says, "Greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends." 1 John 3:16 says, "We know love by this, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren." Proverbs 17:17 17, 17 goes on and says, "A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity." This is what we're talking about. We're talking about a friend who is willing to lay down his life for another. Of course, the greatest friend of all is Jesus Christ. And that God gave his son, he laid down his life so that we all may have eternal life. And that's of course that was what John 1, 1 John 3:16 says, talking about Jesus laying down his life for us. And that's what we should do for our friends. We should be there when they need us and and I was just thinking about this and I thought about Mandy last year when she had surgery and Mandy went into cardiac arrest. And I started thinking about it and I'm like, we went up to the hospital and, and Keith and Heather were already up there. And Doug was up there. And Dan and Jessica were up there. And we were all up there for Ryan in his time of, uh, of trial and for Mandy in their time of trial. And we all sat with them and we took on their kids. And we sat with them until Mandy was life-flighted out to Dallas. And we all took turns, and I think probably at least half the church drove up to Dallas at some point in time to be with Ryan and Mandy. We watched their kids. I know, I think Mandy's mom watched the baby, because Elizabeth wasn't even that old. But we watched several of the other kids. And, you know, we came, and the church came to Ryan and Mandy's rescue. You know, they were... Mandy was in dire straits and and that's that's what happened. That's what a church does and that's what your friends do. We were willing and they were willing to do anything it took to help Ryan and Mandy out in that situation. And I think it's uh, about time to hand out our, 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 our food for the day. But the last thing while we're handing this out is the last thing a coach need, or to be a champion, of course you need a, you need a good coach and you need a team to surround you. Because, of course, without those two things, you're, you're not going to get very far, not in a team sport at least, uh, in an individual sport, sport I guess you could. But the last thing you're going to need to be a champion or to raise a champion is a good general manager. And what we mean by a good general manager is, of course, God. I think we got one more clip to kind of sum all this up. My name is Dan. I know how to make baseballs. I'm so much better than Drew. Drew, what is that? They're baseballs. I don't think so. Does it look like this? Does it look like your mom? Okay. Guard that, just try again, okay? <laughs> I get this chicken little guy has a second chance to. Uh. Drew can have one too when he regains consciousness. Of- I love you, and that's all. Chance. There's just enough muscle on the bench to pull out a win. Up next. (laughs) Chicken little Uh, folks, Little hasn't been up to bat once since joining the team. He's going to lose the game for us. But wait, if he can just get a walk in advance to first, that powerhouse, oh. Foxy Lock, they can step up and save us all. He's had a terrific game so far. A shoe in for the MVP trophy. Okay, kid, listen up. You have an itty bitty teeny tiny strike zone. There's no way he can throw you out. Just take the walk. Don't swing. Yeah, but Coach, I have a good feeling about it. Look the at line. me. Look at me. Don't swing. Take the walk. You hear me? Just take the walk. But Coach, wait, wait! Don't swing! Nervous. Gangly. Barely able to hold the pine. Little advances to the box. He's going back from the right. Make it the left. No, the right. The right. <laughs> Easy out. Well, sir, looks like left field found something better to do. Center field's got a hunger pang in his second stomach. And right field's digging for grubs. Why him? Why now? <laughs> I won't embarrass you, Dad. Not this time. Here's the way to the pitch. It's a high of. Whoa! Ah! Oh. ah. Oh. Right. one... Ladies and gentlemen, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I've seen roadkill with faster reflexes. The catcher lays down the signals. Here's the pitch. Curveball low and outside. He swings. He racked two. No. I said don't swing. No. Better up. That's two in the hole. One more strike get the bunch out folks and we're all going home. Hey, it's away my squeaky toy. It's a hit. A hit? A, hit. a hit. But wait, the batter is still unbelievably at home plate. He's standing in a daze. Run, kid, run! Go, oh, son, run! Run! he goes. Headed the wrong way. Wait, wait, wait. No, Not that way. Run the other way. Turn around. Wait, wait, wait. He's turned. I've never said these words before, but he's actually rounding home plate. Right behind him. He, looks like he steps on home. And Take me back. Take me back. We have a tie game. Meanwhile, they're scrambling in the alley. Looks like Rodriguez has it. No, so, it's the center fielder. Mayhem in the outfield. Ladies and gentlemen, Rodriguez has fired the second. Catch is complete. But where's the ball? Little touches the bag and keeps going. It's a hunt for the rock. The fielders are having a little trouble. Some kind of commotion out there. Oh, it's, it's stuck. It's oh, stuck. Tip oh. the cow. Tip the cow. Oh, oh. It's the old tip the cow play. As the kid hits the loud corner, looks like a stand-up triple. Yes. Hold up. No. Incredible. He's still going for the whole enchilada. The entire ball of wax. Look at it. And caboodle. The back. The You're, You're never going to make it. Ow. He's, got He's trying to lighten his load When the entire rod right behind him He's on all cylinders now He's he right to the next Here up to the center field It's going to be a oh. <coughs> You're out Oh, folks Folks, what a heartbreaker Wait Wait, 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 wait. Wait a cotton picking second. Hold your horses here, and horses, hold your breath. This might not be over. He. He's. He's... The world is <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for the chance. As you can see, Doug <laughs> gives me the warning. <laughs> I told him to. That's the way I operate in court. I was like, give me a five-minute warning kind of stuff. As you can see in this, um, Chicken Little is essentially praying to heaven, praying to God for a chance. That he wants a chance. And that's all he needs. And, of course, he gets the big chance and he makes the most of it. And he's, he's the big hero and he ends up celebrating. And, of course, he goes back and thanks God for the chance. And that's what we all say in life is we all need a chance we all deserve a chance well you know God is a God of of second and third and fourth and however many chances you you need that God is there for you and God provides those chances God always gives us that chance and I like the line in there when he's up there batting right before he hits the thing and he's like today is a new day and and today could always today could be your new day all you have to do is, is give your life to Christ if you've never accepted him before, and that he's got a new day for you and a new life. And he gives you that chance. And the other thing I, I saw in there that and going back to the very beginning clip was when Chicken Little's dad said, I'm sorry you had to feel like you earned my to earn my love. You'd never have to earn my love. And that's the same thing with God. You don't have to earn His love. He offers it there freely for you. It's out there for the taking. You do not have to earn it. You don't have to do anything for it. All you have to do is, is willingly give your life over to Him. Ask God to be, the, as Hayden says, the forgiver of your sins and the leader of your life. And He gives you that chance and you have His love. You don't have to do anything for it. And I just like to close out today in in prayer. So if you all bow your heads with me. Dear Jesus, just thank you for this opportunity.